Hello, and thanks for listening to episode eight. We're calling this one the Hows and Whys. Our host Claire is particularly interested in the reasons and motivations, plus the methods that we first employ to give up drinking alcohol, and how those can all shift over time with a mindset change as we begin to embrace a more sober lifestyle. That's what we're talking about today with co-hosts Ruth and myself, Jane. And we'd love to hear what you think on this topic too. Thanks for listening. It's Fizz Free. Today's episode is more around the psychology as to why we drink. The whys and hows really and how those change over time. So more around the initial why we drink to start with. And then going on to talk about the hows and whys of stopping drinking and examples of that and how that changes really when you go into sobriety. And I don't think we really think about when we go on to the to the actual stopping drinking, um, we don't really see how it's going to progress into sobriety because we're just taking that one step at a time. And the real niceties around those kind of whys and hows, really. So for me, it was all about excitement, the drama of it, the gossip over the nights that we were sort of having, you know, realising that I was an adult and that I could do what I wanted. And it all revolved around like the weekends, really. So everybody was going out you know, in their 20s. um, And, you know, why not? Absolutely, why not? Um, And I think that that the hows are to do with the circumstance for me. I was definitely enabled to go out, have fun. It was all positive. Even the hangovers were a real sign of a good night out, you know, texting each other the morning after the night before to find out all the gossip that was going on to fill in the gaps. So it was really exciting times. Um, And those for me were the reasons why I did it. I don't know if, if you two either want to interject at this point. I think for me, it, it's evolved. I, don't, I can't honestly say there's ever been one particular reason throughout my whole life why I chose to drink. I definitely would say in the early days, it's because I thought it had that sort of entertainment factor and that sparkle and that pizzazz of creating a brilliant night out. That then evolved when I became a mother. I love my children dearly, just want to put that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did find elements of mother- motherhood quite stressful. And I think perhaps I, I turned to alcohol when I got the kids down to bed. And I think, ah, relax. And I perhaps used it as a relaxation tool and a little bit of a stress relief. And then, you know, if you've listened to my story on our podcast, you will realize that for me, it was lockdown that majorly changed my drinking habits. And it was definitely to try and escape. It was an escapism to try and get out of the situation we were in. So it was so dreadful, missing family and being at home with two young children and a husband who was away most of the days. And I I think I drank to kind of, um, you know, put that to one side and try and escape from that situation. 
So for me, it's, it's been an evolving relationship. Do you know what? This is really interesting because I don't think I've ever stopped to really question this. And I think a lot ties back into my upbringing in a military environment. Um, this came to me because uh, somebody I know who's a former serving um, soldier had issues with giving up alcohol and was known to go around saying when they were really, really drunk, I'm a squaddy, it's what we do. And that sort of really struck me. And I thought, actually, yeah, that's the environment I've grown up in. Heavy, hard drinking, um, that hard fighter lifestyle, you know, the uniform, the guns, the military thing. But on some level, I do think that's rubbed off because for me, drinking was a case of proving yourself, proving you're strong, you can keep up with the boys, you're um, established, that you can handle it, you can take it, you can go out there and prove yourself. And I don't think I'd ever really thought much about that before, that I think a lot of it can be tied up in your identity. Totally. I mean, I think if I go back to those kind of times, I remember one of my boyfriends at the time, he was a barman for some time, and the thought of having a free Saturday where I could go to the pub for the whole day filled me with absolute joy. I just thought it was amazing that I was able to do that. I felt like I could just completely let my hair down. And I think just going back to my previous podcast and my story, rightly so, been brought up in quite a sheltered environment and then being able to you know be an adult and be allowed to do it and that there was no sort of repercussions for me I was just able to do that it was like really freeing like nobody can tell me what to do and I really liked that part of things I think if you are surrounded by a mindset of a large group of people who encourage and say, yes, this is a desirable, attractive quality that proves that you are a strong, fun-loving, confident person, then that is always going to be highly persuasive, isn't it? And uh, for sure, that's what I grew up surrounded by for years and years and years. Absolutely. And then I think when I realised that I had a problem and I wanted to think about stopping, I think the first thing to say is, well... It was quite a journey to get to that point. You know, a couple of, I won't even say sober attempts because I didn't have any sober attempts. I had attempts to moderate because at this point, I never, ever thought that I would ever become sober. It wasn't even in my mindset to be sober. In fact, it wasn't really until the start of 2021 that I thought about sobriety. I had just thought, about moderating so you know endless um house parties that I got drunk at and and all of that to thinking about stopping and the reason why I wanted to get sober at this point was that I knew that something had to change I couldn't carry on with how I was I couldn't carry on with my health being the way that it was. The example that I was setting my daughter, the shame and the guilt, not to mention how much money I was spending. So the hows, how I went about that is I did it one day at a time. And I really believe that we stop ourselves from not drinking simply because we can't imagine our lives without it. So in the very early days, 
I, I just didn't think about that. I literally didn't think about the future. I just thought about each day. And I think this is what why I wanted to do this podcast really was compared to those early days, those hows now, how I stopped drinking now is so different to those early days. I'm really interested in the the psychological reasons for that, really, you know, how that evolves and how that changes. You know, so I just didn't think about tomorrow. And I think that some people in sobriety are convinced that they will never drink again. And I live in hope that I don't. However, I have never said that I'm never going to drink again. And that's because, you know, the most awful thing might happen um, tomorrow. You know, you know, loss of parents, a really bad accident, complete trauma that we that we can't predict could happen tomorrow. And it might mean that I pick up that bottle of wine because I just won't care. But... I do obviously, um, you know, live in hope that 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 doesn't happen. But I think what it shows is that you just can't predict the future. So four years ago, if somebody said I'd be on a podcast talking to two other people that have been sober for long for lengths of time, I would never have thought that I would be doing it because I'd never even thought about stopping drinking I just thought about moderation really so I think it's my how I go about it is to do it day by day. I think you raise a really interesting point because sometimes thinking about the future what never again I can't never drink can keep people stuck if you're convinced that there can't be a future without alcohol then it keeps you stuck in that cycle, doesn't it? You think, well, I'm just going to have to carry on. I was too impatient to do this one day at a time. I'm too busy. I can't just focus on today. I need to think about the future. But then the future was too overwhelming, so you get stuck. I think this is totally why my husband carries on drinking. Because he's so habitual. If I said to him, right, we're going to go on holiday. We're going to go for for a week away. The thought of him not drinking, he said, I can't go through the holiday without drinking. He's already predicted he's going to fail. So I think we have to live in that kind of really nice serenity of you can't predict the future. We don't know what's going to happen. So just do it for today. But he can't do that. And I think a lot of people can't do that. It's a bit like me with the diet, really. I almost predict that I'm going to fail because I just can't see myself not having that little bit of chocolate, not having that, you know, little bit, as I call it, little bit of something to get me through the day. You know, it's the same principle. It's just alcohol. I just managed it with alcohol. That's the that's the difference, really. But that's also an interesting thing. I'm rubbish at dieting, and so I thought, well, I'm just going to be rubbish at giving up alcohol. And yet, it's and it not is been just the same your mindset. There, yeah, isn't there's it? obvious similarities and parallels. I've been able to stick to this, and I can't stick to a diet. What's that about? It's your perception of it, isn't it? It's your perception. I think the reason that I've thought about this podcast is mainly to do with a couple of like sort of I suppose for want of a better word like self-help books and they really talk about your perception of things and I think when you perceive that you could possibly 
um, succeed, I could get through today without a, a, a glass of wine. And you're not thinking about tomorrow. You're just thinking about today. I think that perception can really make or break whether you succeed or not. I think the thing is as well, it, it's also education and knowledge and you've spent so much time researching into alcohol and really digesting what it actually does to the body. Whereas I suppose with chocolate, you're aware that you, you know, you're possibly going on a diet to lose weight because you want to feel fitter and you want to feel healthier. But you know for 100% fact if you drink an alcoholic drink that is directly going to impact your internal organs your external skin your emotional state almost either immediately or long term whereas you know that the, the knock-on effects of having a little bit of chocolate of an evening isn't going to impact you there and then does that make sense yeah i think it's building that bigger picture though isn't it because we do know that like with sobriety if you didn't have that chocolate long term it would because you could just say that with a glass one glass of wine in fact interestingly it's kind of diversing slightly but somebody that i know that's sober and has been for about six months had one glass of champagne and one glass of port at Christmas and like I have really quite you know neutral to that I think every day that you're sober is an amazing day isn't it so she's done a good six months before and she hasn't drank since Christmas day um, but it obviously as we do with everything in life you put that back to your own experiences and for me I couldn't give my sobriety away not for a glass of champagne and a and a glass of port at Christmas I just couldn't do it do you know what it's almost fear as well because I've read so many quitlets and listened to so many podcasts and there's been quite a lot of people on there who have discussed their experience with being sober for a length of time and then having a drink and continuing that drinking journey and they've all said I don't think there's anybody who hasn't said this that the the second fall is harder not saying that you've got to hit hit a rock bottom but they said actually it kind of you think oh it's going to be a gradual thing but from what I've read they they've all said it grabs you even quicker and even harder and it grasps you and it's harder to sort of start again and you know we've all had I would assume multiple day ones or day twos or day threes but I think when you've had such a length of abstinence from alcohol you know I'm over three years now I couldn't imagine drinking for the next six months and then giving up again I think it would take a lot of strength and a lot of willpower and a lot of effort to do that again Do you know what's really sneaky, though, about alcohol and about the mindset is that when I was managing to start putting together some alcohol-free days, like eight days here and then drink, 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 and then maybe 12 alcohol-free days here, when I would go back to drinking, I would just have perhaps the one of an evening or maybe two, and I'd think, oh, could me? I can moderate. Hey, I'm all right now. And that's just so deceptive because then bang, the next night you're back to having four or five. So it's just sneaky. Say, it creep up? <laughs> yeah, it's straight away. It's got creep up, hasn't it, really? Because your tolerance would still be, um, I'm guessing, you know, 
quite high really yeah but the fact that I would go go back and just have maybe that one across the whole evening which I hadn't been able to do before would totally convince me that I got this under control now until the next night and then straight back to previous drinking behavior I think this is what's really interesting is just the psychology around it you know it's it's fascinating really and I think it's different for everybody and I think that emotional side even when we've got like you know the facts in front of us we know the facts don't we we do know them it's still I don't think you can break it even when you're well educated I don't think you can break it until that emotional fit that emotional maybe it's the last piece of the jigsaw puzzle that needs to click before you can kind of even start on that sobriety journey really and I think my friend I've got a few friends who are nurses actually and they've always said to me it's so easy to treat the problem and treat the symptoms but it's so difficult to treat the patient so you could have somebody sat in front of you and you could say, right, you need to change X, Y, and Z, but unless they understand why and sort of buy into their advice, she said they walk out the door and you know they're not going to listen to you. You know they're going to be back in the surgery in six months' time, probably in worse health, and you know just not have taken your advice on board. And that's, you know, with alcohol, I would imagine they see that a lot. Absolutely. And I think that leads really on to the how to stay sober, which is actually so different to the how I got to be sober. Those first few sort of months, really, compared to now, you know, it's a completely different kettle of fish. And I think it simply boils down to wanting to be sober more than wanting a drink. I seriously do. I think until, you know, thinking about that patient, uh, Ruth, and, you know, in that hospital bed, until the balance of that seesaw has tipped into the favour of, you know, I want to be sober more than I want to drink, things will not change for them. But I think you've got to be able to keep that tip, haven't you? Because I would feel like that. I desperately wanted to be sober more than I wanted to drink, but maybe only for about two hours. And then later that day, that would swing again. So it's trying to keep that there, isn't it? To keep that overriding. Because otherwise, you're just sabotaging. And that's a very interesting topic in itself. Self-sabotage, isn't it? How do you think that happened for you? How do you think it went from, from, you know, I want to be sober to... I've got sober and I'm going to stay there. I just, I don't know. Just, <laughs> just I don't know. Just that, that white knuckling of let's just see if I can take this a tiny bit further. Let's just see if we can just do another few hours and one more night. Like you said, I suppose, coming back to the one day at a time. But when you took your last drink, did you think this is just going to be another, another bout of sobriety? Or did you think I'm going to try to not? drink again i'd been taking run-ups to it for several months so i actually don't remember my last drink how cool is that i have no idea what my last drink was i can guess but (laughs) i don't remember it wasn't significant because i was just still sort of on that hamster wheel but i had been gradually building up to it for months and months and months 
It's interesting, isn't it, really, the psychology around it. I think that grit and determination and that willpower and that white knuckle in it and going cold turkey can only last for so long, can't it, really? I came across a quote the other day, which I don't want to sort of dumb down all the psychological effects of it, but in a nutshell, just to put it into perspective, this quote, you're normal, there's nothing wrong with you, becoming addicted to alcohol is a predictable and understandable side effect of using an addictive drug. And for me, that was just like, yes, absolutely, you know, we... Duh, that of course, but that's what they don't advertise, that it's such an addictive drug. Of course, we're going to feel like that. I think there is some white knuckle riding, isn't there, for a while? You know, I know you two have documented your sort of journeys um, at the very beginning, and that must be so useful to you now because you can, like, go back and really analyse how you thought and felt at that time I didn't do that as much as I should have done there's the odd thing that I've written on a few social media accounts but nothing you know like a journal or anything Um, and I don't remember that much about those first few months really but I don't know whether it was just more like a, a switch had sort of flicked and I just thought it's just going to be a no today. I don't actually remember being desperate for a glass of wine at that point, which is really interesting, isn't it? But maybe maybe I did, maybe I did, but it, it doesn't feel like that. How about you guys? Do you think you had any, Ruth, I would say that you were so determined at the start that you didn't even, it didn't even contemplate in your brain? It was really weird for me. I kind of saw it as, I'm angry at you. How dare I let you ruin my body for the length of time that you did? Why did I ever put you on a pedestal? It it was as if I wanted to slap it away, like I was offended by its presence. (laughs) There have been times, you know, I'm not painting the perfect picture. There have been times when people have sent me holiday snaps and you've got this sort of cooling glass of red wine in the hot sun and you've got the beach in front of you and for a moment I've had this pang of oh man that looks so desirable but then I've actually sort of picked it apart and thought right what is desirable about that picture is it the wine Mm, not so sure probably not is it the fact that somebody has sun on them absolutely I love the sun Is it the fact they've got a beautiful whooshing sea in front of them and the sand and the fact they're not at work and they're just on a relaxing holiday? Ah, ding, ding, ding. That is the attraction there, not the alcohol. Don't put it on the pedestal. Don't give it warranty. Actually, it's the fact that they've got that beautiful scenery in front of them and that whole experience. Alcohol is just associated with celebration, isn't it? And who doesn't want to be in a situation where you're holidaying or you're at a party or, you know, it's that's what almost three years have been like for me. It's like the best three years, really, because and that's the bit that that you don't think about. When I first became sober, I didn't think about in two and a half years time, I'm going to have a clear head. I'm going to be 
far more organised than I've ever been. I'm going to have so much patience. The care that has come back and passion. Before, you know, me and my husband, if we had a few words, I'd just think, oh, just let it go, Claire. Now I am like a dog with a bone. I need him to fully understand why annoyed or frustrated or what the problem is and I think everything just means so much more to me now so it's really interesting how at the very start of my sobriety the reasons why I got sober and how I did my sobriety at the very start versus now is a massive massive journey and and it's almost changed really Jane, how about you? Did you ever desire that? Those first few months, did you ever think, you know, forget it, I'm going to pick up the vodka? I'm just thinking, you know, going back to me saying that drink was very much associated with proving that you are strong and you can keep up and you're like one of the lads in that sort of military environment. I think over time with maturity, I've been able to let go of having to prove myself because I'm not having to prove myself to anyone. Like Nobody's really looking at me, and, and <laughs> I don't feel as though I have to do that anymore. So I've been able to make peace with just proving myself to myself and not creating like an image of, of you know, keeping up with other people. So I think just that maturity over time and that bit more confidence in who I am, you know, becoming a parent and working full-time and just entering 40s has helped me lay peace with a lot of that urgency need to to be drinking and keep up with all of that I've been able to sort of think well (laughs) I've always said this before you know you worry about becoming boring but boring to who things change over time don't they so I've been able to sort of make peace with that and just slightly as a separate note by the way when Ruth mentioned that she had seen a really good meme or or something online the, the best one I've seen is this quitting drinking is easy I did it loads of times. <laughs> and that's the problem, right? I did it all. I was quitting left, right, and centre. Anyone could quit. But it, like you were saying, Claire, it's making it stick. It's like keeping that tip to seesaw balance there in the right zone and not just flip-flopping back again. Just to finish up and put a really positive spin on here, I don't know if you've seen who's come out recently as being sober, but such an influential, huge current actor in the minute. But Tom Holland has actually come out saying that he felt he was having issues with alcohol and um, he started off with dry January, which led into dry February. And he got to June and he was like, oh my God, I did have an issue with alcohol and I'm feeling so much better for not drinking and I'm sleeping better. And I just thought these celebrities, they're coming out thick and fast and hopefully spreading this sober message to to everybody that you are not giving something up. Get that out your head. There's nothing to give up. You are only gaining from being sober. That is such a nice finish to it really because... I had a conversation on my wedding day with a guy that um, is vegan and everybody spit out that we had this really amazing conversation, really quite in-depth conversation on my wedding day. And he was talking about me not drinking and I was talking about him being vegan. And he said the similarity between the two was people that on the outside of that 
think about what you're giving up. They never think about the thing that you're gaining. And it is, again, down to perception, isn't it? So your perception when you first start this journey is I'm giving up alcohol. But I think you really don't think long term about the things that you're going to gain until you start gaining them. Just like his story, isn't it? And I think it ties in really nicely with a shift in social trends Anyway, culturally, I do think, and certainly in the parts of the world we live in, it is becoming more accepted, normalised and less scandalous to not drink alcohol. There is a definite shift. I know we're probably biased because we surround ourselves with sobriety-related you know, uh, literature and, and maybe posts and things. But it, it, the tide is changing and that also helps and ties in with what you were saying at the start, Claire, that your reasons for quitting drinking at the start can look very different to the reasons that you stay uh, sober some years down the line. There is a shift and it's a nice thing. Maybe it ties in with self-confidence like you were saying, Jane. You know, you don't care what other people think so much now. Who are you proving it to? I think it's been a fabulous podcast, ladies, and I just really wanted to thank you for joining us today. We're Ruth, Jane and Claire. It's been a pleasure to spend this evening with you. Thanks for listening to Fizz Free. Find us online on Facebook, YouTube, on X and Instagram, as well as most major streaming platforms. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, the email is fizzfree0, the number zero, at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate us and to give us a like and a share to spread the word. Changing your relationship with alcohol. Less fizz, more free.